You're listening to the Team Guru Podcast, bringing to life the theory and principles of leadership. Hello and welcome to the Team Guru Podcast. It's great to have your company wherever you may be listening. My name's David Frizzell and in this episode, we're talking video production. Have you noticed? Videos have caught on. This YouTube thing seems like it's going to stick around for a while. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, video everywhere. Everyone's doing it. But as consumers of content, we know there's good stuff and bad stuff. Some of it really good. Some of it horrible, unwatchable, rubbish. So what's the difference? And how can we make great videos ourselves? Videos that capture the essence of our message to the world and of us as people. My guest is Michael Langdon, video creation guru, and he's here to help. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Michael Langdon, welcome to the Team Guru Podcast. Thank you. Michael, look, I'm, I'm really excited about our chat today. You have hit on a topic that is growing in my world. It's something that I've done a lot more of lately, create videos in different roles that I've had. I know that all of our listeners are aware of this video thing. Video has caught on, as you have made very clear in your book. It's not going anywhere. And and there really is fantastic opportunities for us to make much better use of it in our own businesses and in our roles within organizations. Even if it's not our role to be the comms person in an organization, there's nothing stopping us from having great ideas about the way that we can use videos to engage all the right people. I love your book, mate. I I love the fact that you have an approach, you have a, a philosophical opinion about videos and our use of creating that type of content. But also your book is, as I told you before we hit record, is just a fantastic how-to guide. And I have a favorite piece or a favorite chapter that will come up during our conversation. Look, for, for the listeners, what we're going to get Michael to do, Michael is a guru of creating videos. He's He's done it the hard way. He actually has created thousands of the things and learned his lessons and creates great content. I had a little bit of a look around your website, Michael. So we're going to get Michael to tell us about the why and the how. Why create videos? For what purpose? For whom? All that kind of stuff. And then we're going to talk about the how. What are the the most common mistakes and what are the things that we can do that are simple and, and smart that are cheap that can just make our videos pop and, and be that little bit more professional, I guess. So are you okay with that, Michael? Are you ready to, to give away all your wisdom? Absolutely. Sounds like we're going to have a fantastic few minutes ahead. All right, great. Now, I'm going to hit you with a tough question first, though. You've called your book, Welcome to the Age of Emotion. And that concept of tapping into emotion is at the heart of a lot of the things that you have to say in your book. And we'll talk specifically about the art of tugging on heartstrings in the content that we create through this chat. But generally, I just want you to touch on that idea of the age of emotion. Why are emotions more important to us now as human beings than ever before? Why is this the age of emotion? Absolutely. And it's a very good question. And actually, picking the name of my book was very hard. And I've I, heard I that that's the lot. hardest thing about writing a book. Yeah, absolutely. And I toyed a lot with the, with having video in the title. But then it struck me that if you think as a business owner that 
it's about video for your business, then you've got it all wrong. It's not about video. It's about tapping into people's emotions because that's- Video is just a tool, hey? Absolutely. And that, that's the thing right now. Uh, video is the best tool at our disposal to tap into people's emotion. And the reason why, why emotion is so important is because it, it drives us human beings. It's, it's the number one factor in driving us to make decisions. When it comes to buying, for example, and we do a lot of uh, e-commerce video, people buy on emotion. It's been scientifically proven time and time again that people simply buy on emotion and use logic or use their thinking brain, so to speak, to justify, to justify a decision. Their decision. <laughs> it, it, exactly. Yeah. And that's why I love video. And I mean, you're right. Video has, has absolutely, you know, exploded onto our screens, social media, uh, you know, Netflix. 80% of all internet traffic is now video traffic. That is an wow. astonishing figure. 80% of everything on the internet is now video. And I've been, I've been doing it for well over 15 years. And I always thought that video was the thing now. Video was the thing. But now I really see it all over our social media. And it's because we are moving together as a society into more of a emotion-driven kind of decisions that we take. If you think back to like the 1990s, for example, advertising was very, boy, now, sell down. If you buy now, you get two free, that sort of thing. And really people rash, are, rational. Yeah, and people are moving past that. They now want to connect and, and have that bond on, on a trust level. And the best way to kind of connect to people and uh, enable trust is through video because video taps into so many more uh, subconscious elements in our minds than just photography or just audio, for example, because our mind is being stimulated a lot more when we see not just pictures, but audio and little nuances that you get on TV that can you know, elicit trust from a buyer. That's very important. And that's why video is proving very popular at the minute. It's an amazing stat. The idea that, you know, whatever percentage you said before of content that flows through the internet is video. What, what, what stat did you give it? What number did you give that before? 80% of all internet 80%. traffic is, is video traffic. Are we just getting lazy? Is it becoming, is it getting to the point where we're just kind of too lazy to read a few paragraphs or is it the positive side where paragraphs are great? We can get information from a well-written story but we can be engaged by so many more senses when we're watching and listening at the same time. I think it's a bit of both. But having said that, it's we may be getting lazier, but it's also proving for a producer of video. And if, if any of your listeners are thinking of producing videos, it's becoming harder for us to convey our messaging in just a few seconds, especially when you think of social media and especially when you think of Facebook. Facebook's very much like uh, when it comes to advertising, I heard an, heard an analogy the other day that Facebook is like a a billboard on a motorway. You know, these you're scrolling through your through your timeline, and these these billboards are going past you so quickly. So you've really got to capture someone's attention in the first sort of six seconds. So yes, we're becoming lazier, but we're also becoming more demanding as consumers to have our information presented to us quickly, efficiently, and succinctly. I'm guessing that when you talked about, say, Facebook being like a billboard as we fly by it in our car, nice analogy. I'm guessing that you were talking about the importance of capturing people's attention from an advertiser's point of view. But just incidentally and anecdotally, as you are a Facebook user, and I know that you are, I've seen you on there, are people 
just in general, not when they're advertising anything, but when they're telling the story of their lives, are, are we getting better in society at, at sort of marketing ourselves? Are we, are we subconsciously absorbing the techniques of advertisers and capturing and sharing video in a way that's designed to capture attention? Because we know that we're kind of got a lot of competition on Facebook when we're trying to send a message about what we've been up to on the weekend. Absolutely. And and that that is true. There's a lot of noise on the internet, especially Facebook at the minute. But funnily enough, I, I, I'd say it's the other way around. Advertisers are now learning from, you know, your average Joe blogs on what they do to capture mass market. And the number one thing I would say is to be authentic. Authenticity on social media goes a long way. And the second one is tell a good story. And this is something that advertisers have also clued up to in recent in recent years, really, because we've seen they don't need like massive production budgets to make a video successful. Ten years ago, you know, people thought that the measure of success was to spend twenty thousand dollars in a video because that would give you the really nice images, the really nice audio, the really nice script writing. And the reality is that we've all got a compelling story to tell. And if you tell it well, you're going to connect to a lot of people. And that's why people who, I don't know, for example, Gary Vee, who just talks a lot, but that content resonates with, with their people. And he hasn't got a, like, he, he does have a, a production crew, but what they're producing is, is not so much quality, but more quantity. He's got D-Rock. That's the name of his videographer following him around with a DSLR and just quickly turning around you know, videos of meetings that he's had. And, and that's gone to show advertisers that it's, it's, it's really not about production values. It's about being authentic and telling a good story. And those are two very important things you should focus on when producing videos if your, you know, if your measure of success is, is social media traction. I like the fact that you told us in your book that you and your brother work in the same industries, but come in the same industry, but come at it from different angles. Your brother does the very polished, uh, well-produced, expensive kind of Rolex-type commercials, and you do this almost skunk works, put together really effective videos with the desire to send them viral on the internet. So you're you're both attacking the the same problem from a completely different angle, and and you admitted that you spend a lot of time arguing about what's important in videos. Yeah, and it's funny because since since I published my uh, my brother said that I misquoted him. Um, but the, the, <laughs> Girl, he might sue you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that'd be a good story to tell, eh? Um, it? <laughs> no, but, but the the gist of it is that yeah, he he's very much about, and we did work together actually early on in our career, and I was very much in charge of you know let's tell the story and frame the story and get the story out there, and he was very much the let's polish the this up and, and mm. exactly yeah, and we did complement each other really well. But I was always just more about the rough and ready, get it out there. And he'd, he'd be a bit of, perfect, of a perfectionist when it came to videos. And, you know, he'd keep tinkering until he made this beautiful piece. And we had this disagreement as to, you know, how and, and where should we spend budget? Say, say if a, cl- a client gave us $10,000, whether we'd do two really beautiful, I don't know, two five-minute videos or whether we'd do like 15, 30-second rough and ready edits yeah. and they both got yeah. their different uh, plus and minuses but the funny thing is and I do mention this in my book is that both my brother and myself were thinking of the end client at the end of the day and the best way that they could reflect their brand in their videos and I guess there is no right or, or wrong answer it really depends on the brand it really depends on the client it really depends 
on who you're targeting and it depends on on what part of the funnel your your videos at because for example if if we're talking about a brand film i would always say yeah invest a lot of money in your brand film get it nice and polished because that's the video that's going to sit on your website and that's the video that you know tells you why and that's the video that's going to wow your customers when they land on your website so for that sort of video which is very much top of the funnel i would definitely say uh, invest in bells, bells and whistles because it's going to it's going to be a reflection of your brand and you don't want people to think that you know your service is as bad as your as your brand video you do get a bad video done <laughs> All right. Now, that is all great background information, but what we're going to get to now is the heart of our conversation. Now, I have listeners who are kind of from both of these major camps. I have listeners who have products to sell, and I have listeners who are part of large or medium organizations, and they've got messages to share, whether they're internal messages or or messages to clients and customers. So, when we think about those two groups, and I'm imagining there's a lot that they have in common in terms of what drives the why and the how of video creating, let's start with the why. What would it be, what need do we have that would send us towards creating a video rather than any of the other options that we have for communicating a message, whether it's a horrible old email or a poster or or a speech or um or word of mouth? What What is it that drives us to video? What's the why? Well, funnily enough, it's emotion. It's all about emotion. If you want to connect with someone better, have more of a, an emotional connection with someone, then a video is going to uh, hit them in so many more places than just a, an email or a, or a picture is. Our brain takes in 11 million bits of information a second, but only 40 of these bits are processed by a rational mind, by a conscious mind. The other are processed by a subconscious. And the reason why video is so powerful is because it's targeting all these little receptors in our brain that are our subconscious targets, and it makes us feel stuff. That's why sometimes when you feel like you can trust someone, it's because you know all these other receptors in your brain are, are working to, to give you that feeling of trust. And that's why video works so well and better than just uh, audio or text. So we we, for example, use video at the acquisition stages of our of our business so when we identify a potential client that we want to work with we we send them a personalized video and when people watch yeah absolutely and it works really really well what does that look like is that is that you on camera saying hi david thank you so much for your inquiry we love the sound of your business We, we really want to work with you is that is that the kind of thing that you do yeah exactly that so we we work with uh, e-commerce retailers. We, we help them sell faster through video reviews of their products produced at scale. So when we identify an e-commerce retailer that we want to work with, we just where well, we identify the name of the CEO and just send them a personalized video that says, hi, yeah, hi, Bob. This is who we are. We noticed that we'd potentially be great partners. So I just want to let you know that this is what we do and how we achieve results. And I look forward to hearing back from you. And, and the response has been incredible because, because once you personalize that video, it makes people feel special. It makes people feel like, you know, you've taken time out of your day to personalize a video just for them. And that sort of, yeah, treatment you, you, you can't, you don't get from many places. And especially when you hear your own name being spoken by a, by a stranger, it just makes you feel special. And that's, that's again, that's all about emotion. Do you want team and leadership development programs that actually work? Contact Team Guru today so we can start the conversation. 
All right, so assuming our listeners, they've got a really clear idea of why they want to make a video. They've got a message to send. They've got an emotion they want to tap into. They've got a relationship they want to create or or promote or progress with a potential client or a stakeholder, whatever it might be. So they've got a really clear understanding and they they get that part. Let's get into the nitty gritty then of of defining this line between that that rough and ready, cheap, easy to make, accessible to all of us type video that's effective. Where's the line that is crossed between that and something that is of really crummy quality that actually makes you look bad? What are the sort of things that differentiate those two categories? Well, there's there's a few things that will make your your videos look bad, and it can be mm-hmm. broken Let's down. Let's go with into, those ones first. <clears throat> into audio, and I'm sure you'll appreciate this well, being in 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 the audio industry yourself. But if a video doesn't sound well or to sound correctly, or you you make people struggle to hear what you're saying, they're going to switch off straight away. So make sure you you invest in a in a decent microphone so that your video sounds good. It's so people think the video is all about visuals, but it's it's 50-50 really. It's it's 50% what it looks like and 50% how it sounds. So never, never underestimate the power of audio in your video. That point was very well made in your book and it really jumped out as me because that's the experience that I've had. My listeners have heard me talk before. I got into podcasting, not because I love audio, but because I wanted to talk about this stuff and leadership and these type of ideas. And and my journey through audio has been long and arduous and I've made a lot of terrible mistakes, but I've got some really clear ideas now. And, and you know, as a guest, before I have a guest on the show, I send them a list of kind of things they need to achieve in terms of audio before I can start the interview. Easy for you because you're in the game. But for people who aren't in the game in producing quality content, they just don't get it. They kind of think, oh, that that's okay. I mean, I had a guy earlier in my career who was a fabulous interview, but he just refused to plug into a, in, a, in a microphone at all. He just wanted to talk into his computer. He said, oh, there's a, there's a mic built into my computer. Let's go. And he wouldn't sort of contemplate doing anything different. So I've learned a lot of lessons there and quality audio now just stands out to me and poor audio stands out as well. But I also see a lot of internal communication videos in the in the work that I do. And people are very conscious of the message they're sharing. They're very conscious of how things look, yet they will just use, as you say in your book, the microphone that's on their camera. And you've got this awful, teeny, poor quality yeah. sound. You've got you've got uh, you know all this background noise that just can't be gotten rid of post-production, no matter how good your software is, because if you take away background noise, of course, you're eroding the quality of the speaking voice. That is a point well made in your book, and it's something that that is so I'm acutely aware of. And you know what? As consumers of content, we're really aware of it. We, we might just not be conscious that we're aware of it. We do turn off stuff if the audio is poor. We might not really even know why we're turning it off. It. We just think, oh, that's poor quality, but it might actually look great. It's just that audio is terrible. And as you say, it's 50%. Sorry, mate, I took over then that you, you've got me on a passion point. <laughs> no, no, I absolutely agree with you 100%. And it's funny that you just said that sometimes you may switch off without knowing why. And that is part of those re- subconscious receptors in your brain going like, you know, just struggling because you're making them work so hard that you just, just switch off. So yeah, absolutely. And I, I love the fact that you said you've, you've learned by mistakes. 
because yeah. believe it or not, that's where we were as well as well. I was anyway as a video producer fifteen years ago. Wind is the the big one that people don't realize when they film or or record any audio outside, even with a decent microphone. If you haven't got you know some cover for your microphone and it's windy, you're not necessarily going to pick it up when you're filming, and then you go back to your to your edit suite in front of your machine and be like, oh my god, this has been where completely do I start? ruined by wind. Yeah. yeah. So audio, always focus on audio. And it, it doesn't mean buy the most expensive mic. If you're doing a video with your iPhone, and for example, these personalized videos that I that I sent to our target market, they're just done with my iPhone, handheld with my iPhone, but I plug my iPhone's headphones so that the microphone that my iPhone has just picks up my voice because that'll be really close to my voice box. So I'm not saying invest in, you know, ten thousand dollars worth of audio equipment, just the microphone. Don't leave it to the audio recorder of just your phone or the audio recorder of just just your laptop because they weren't built to record stuff like this. Hey, you know, Michael, one of the things that I have done over the last few years is, uh, you know, our phones are fantastic and and I shoot a few, you know, shoot, making myself sound like a pro, I, I <laughs> kind of botch up, uh, you know, videos for clients um, for, to communicate messages internally largely. And I use my phone, I've got the iPhone 10 and it looks amazing. But what I do, I have, I've kept my old iPhone, my iPhone 6, and I, I use that only to record audio. And I've got one of those Rode Smart Labs. I plug that into my iPhone 6, the old defunct iPhone that's good for nothing. And I plug the, the Smart Lab in. I record the audio on a, on a lapel microphone that the, the speaker has. I get them to put the, the, smart, the, the phone in their pocket and then at the end, I simply combine the two tracks. I combine the video from my iPhone 10, which looks fantastic, and I use the audio track from the lapel mic that's in their pocket. It's actually not that hard to combine those audio tracks, but geez, it is absolutely worth it because the difference between what I can hear on the the video, the the phone that I'm holding a, a fair way away from the subject, and that you know seventy dollar lapel microphone that's sitting in you know, clipped onto their shirt and sitting in their pocket. It's just absolutely amazing. Yeah. And that's a, that's a really good hack. Actually, not, not a lot of people use an external iPhone to record audio, but that's a, that's a great use of your iPhone 6 because otherwise it'd be, you know, sitting in your bedside table doing nothing. Absolutely. Hey, you know, I've got a question on this and it's terrible, but why does the video and the audio get out of sync? So if I film someone for two minutes and then I combine the audio with the video, I have to kind of, in editing, I have to cut it a few times and get the lips back in sync because they seem to be different length tracks. Yeah, that's down to frame rate. So you're either recording, so here in, in Australia and, and in Europe, we record at 25 frames per second. In America, they, they record at 23.967. So if, yeah. yeah. So if you use different frame rates to record video and audio, sometimes over the course of yeah a minute they'll just be slightly out of sync because there'll be more frames in a minute worth of footage than the other sequence has frames so so they start off looking and sounding exactly the same but towards yeah. like a minute they're off by i don't know there'll be an exact mathematical equation but they'll be off by about yeah a second or two so it's that that's something that i noticed from the very first time i used that hack and and I've never worked out how to fix it. All I all I do is in post production, as I say, sort of after a minute or so, I cut the audio and sort of you know move it a little bit and fix it up. It's not that much of a pain, but I would love it if they were perfectly in time. 
All right, I've completely taken over, which my <laughs> listeners know is a bad habit of mine. So we're talking about things that make videos bad, and we got up to number one, and that was audio. And That's I think we've start, made yeah. that point really well. I'm passionate about audio, and uh, as I said, I was so pleased to see that represented in your book. What are the others? The other one, obviously, is how it looks, because people are going to be attracted to how it looks. And I'm, I'm directing this perhaps mostly at people who are trying out their own DIY video. But the obvious one and the big mistake that we see is people shooting with a source of light behind them, i.e. an <laughs> office window. And yeah. what this does is when the light is behind the subject, it just makes them look like a silhouette, makes them look really, really dark. And it, again, it's just not engaging visually. So people subconsciously will, will switch off. So what I would do is always use a window if you're shooting in an office as the natural source of light that's going to light you and just turn yourself around so that big window is positioned behind your iPhone if you're shooting with an iPhone and lighting you so that you look that you look well. Lighting the subject. Yeah, absolutely. Lighting is, is key. And then if we if we quickly move on to point three, I'd be thinking about the story. And when you want to tell a good story, the first thing I always I always say to my clients is what do you want to make people to feel? How do you want to uh, leave them feeling at the end of this video? Just think about emotion. Again, I'm coming back to, to emotion. <laughs> it's a good thing I called my book, Welcome to the Age of Emotion, because eh? I keep coming back to it. But it's how <laughs> do you want to make people feel? And, you know, it could be, it could be humorous. It could be controversial. It could be, you know, a feel-good video. But just focus on that and then tell a good story. People remember stories a lot more than they just remember, you know, facts and stats thrown at them. So for example, just now I, I, I said, instead of, of saying that we use video, uh, the acquisition stage of our funnel, I said to you exactly what we do. We actually do a personalized video and we, we send a video and, and you know, I film it on my iPhone. And I imagined that. It, exactly. That's, that's a power. I bought into that. That's the power of a good story right there mm. that you will actually, yeah, imagine it in your mind and it's going to be ingrained in your brain and it's going to be so easy to draw back on that. Or for example, the story we spoke about earlier about Facebook being, you know, Facebook videos being just a billboard in a motorway, those sort of uh, stories and analogies and, and pictures you paint for someone will stay in their brain for a lot longer than just naming facts and stats. So tell a good story. That's, that's key as well. Is that one of the three? So audio, light, or the way it looks in general, but light in particular, and story is the third. Is is the story the hardest? Because audio and, and light and the way it looks, we can kind of get that right by trial and error and, and you know, as you and I have experienced messing up and, and um, having to record again and all that kind of stuff. But that story bit, that's the powerful one. That's almost the intangible. It's a craft and a skill. It is, but it's something that you can learn as well. If you think about big Hollywood productions, for example, they all follow the same the same story architecture, you know, you've, you've got a, you introduce a character, then you've got, you know, a crisis, then you've got the resolution and then you've got the hero's ending. And at a very basic level, that's what stories all over the world follow. So it is something that you can, you can learn. And perhaps it's not as easy to learn as, you know, the trial and error of going outside to the beach and filming something when it's really windy and you know, coming back and knowing it doesn't work, or you know, shooting against the it's a window because because you're not necessarily going to find that people say that's wrong, but it, there definitely is a formula to it. 
and you've just got to keep experimenting. But uh, I mean, if you if you Google hero's journey in terms of story arcs, that should give you a basic idea of how you should frame a story. Having said that, I'm a, I'm a big believer that everyone's got a compelling story to tell. And I've said that before, but I really, really mean it. Everyone's got a, everyone's life is interesting. Everyone's trajectory in life is interesting. Perhaps you've just got to think about what the best way to tell it is. And when it comes to video, a YouTube video will be different to a Facebook video, to a, a splash page video in terms of how you structure that story. But always think of your audience and what you think is going to be the most engaging thing to them. It's like a joke. You always know that the punchline goes last. You wouldn't put it first. And it's the same with a story. You've just got to know what the best way to tell that story is. But I'm, I'm, I'm a big advocate of every single person I've met know, having a compelling story to tell. Long rambling videos, is, is that one of the mistakes that we tend to make when we first enter this art? Not necessarily. If you're passionate okay. about something, rambling rambling's good. Okay. I mean, by by all means, I, I come back to Gary Vee. Some some of his videos are, I've seen videos that are good seven eight minutes, and and some of them he's just effing and blinding. But he's so passionate about something that that people are attracted to that. People connect with passion. So rambling, perhaps for the sake of rambling, yes. But sometimes you know, you know, you you are passionate about something, and you want to say something in so many different ways. And as long as you're not repeating yourself. I guess repetition here is what would be the, the big no-no. If you're repeating yourself, there's there's no need to repeat yourself unless you're doing a Facebook Live, for example. Anything that's live, perhaps you're going to repeat yourself a little bit more. But if because you're doing you something, coming in. yeah, or sort of sometimes because it's more conversational, and in, in actual conversations, we do tend to repeat ourselves. But if you if you're producing a video that's rambling, I just cut out the bits where you repeat yourself but you know rants are very good on they're very they're very, they attract a lot of uh, they're authentic on social yeah exactly essentially yeah that's it you're authentic and if if it resonates Emotional. with someone who's who's on the same boat yeah you're going to get engagement and you're going to get connectivity straight away okay rants aren't bad all right look, look, that's great so we've identified those three most common errors that we make the audio the way it looks and and not having a story and you've told us how to fix those problems, but that's different to giving us tips on how to make our videos awesome. So what are your top, well, let's call it three or five, You, you, you I'll, I'll be guided by you here, Michael. What are your top handful of tips that go beyond fixing mistakes, but are things that we can actually add value to the way our videos look and feel and the emotional response that we get? Absolutely. Transitions are very often underrated in the industry. A nice transition is going to keep us engaged. Again, this is on a subconscious level. So a mm. transition, for those of you who don't know, is when you go from one scene to another. And the, the most obvious transition is just a simple straight cut. But there are, there are ways to get you know quite creative with transitions. And if you're doing DIY video, you can buy stock transitions for like $10, $20. And they just, they just add a little bit of panache to your videos. But you're not. Do, it's it's not the panache that's being valuable. It's what what it adds value in is is making your videos a little bit more engaging, keeping people watching your videos. So right now, one of the most topical transitions is the zoom in. I don't know if you're familiar with them, where you kind of go from one scene to the other by kind of zooming into the screen or zooming out. They're very popular at the minute, and also swishes to the right and to the left. And you can do these with with your cameras as well. But it, it does take a lot of thinking about it. For example, if you want to 
go from one scene to the other by panning to the left. You might pan into the left and there's a gray object there. And in your next scene, yep. you pan you start, from another, yeah, an, yeah you pan yeah. from another gray, uh, gray object, but pan from the right. And when you just mm-hmm. stitch them together in post-production, it actually looks really, really cool. Yeah. I, I, picture, I, I saw a corporate video just the other day where they did that really nicely. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're very popular at the minute. Some of them are just uh, stock transitions that you can buy online from like a, an Envato uh, marketplace. But a lot, a lot of them can be done by yourself, but they do require a little bit of practice. My next one would be if we're talking about social media videos, and it doesn't sound, it sounds like a simple thing, but I still see so many people making that mistake is not adding captions. Eight oh. out of 10 videos on Facebook are watched on mute. So people watch a lot of social media videos on silence. So add always, captions. Always, always add captions. It's honestly really, really stupid not to, because why would you run the risk of someone not watching their video? Because, you know, they're on the train without headphones and they want to watch it, but they don't want to disturb everyone around you. It's so much so to a point that I, I don't deliver any social media videos now without any captions. And there's, a, there's, there's something called closed captions and open captions. Closed captions are the ones that you can click a button and they pop up and you can read them. But if you don't want them, you click on the closed caption button and they hide. I'm actually, I'm a big believer of always having open captions because- Yeah, so sort of what, permanent, no option. Exactly, because why would you run the risk of, you know, of someone not listening, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes here. I know it's, it's audio, but um, <clears throat> why would you run the risk <laughs> of someone not listening? Yeah, I know, sorry, of not listening to your, to your videos. So always, always, always uh, have open captions if you're going to do a social media video. Ah, that's good. I, I would never have thought about that. That's a good one. Hey, you don't mention that in your book, I don't think. You know what? This, this industry is changing so quickly that I've only yeah. just come up with that in like the last six seven months has made me realize that you know we need these because yeah eight out of ten videos on facebook are watched on silent that's how quickly the industry is changing and i've got to say good pick up me to notice that that's not in the book well done me yeah absolutely i was gonna say yeah wow gold star for you there you you really read the book (laughs) but i got him first gave myself a gold star all right that's good transitions and add captions that's good piece of advice all right what's next if you're really going into polishing your video, I'd say a good bit of sound design works really well. Sound design is essentially after you've done and edited your video. And I'm only uh, saying sound design because I know you're a big audio geek. You geek out on this, David. So, <laughs> but like, for example, you're playing to your audience, reading yeah, exactly. emotion. <laughs> yeah. But actually, that, that's it. It adds emotion as well. If you, for example, have one of these transitions that we were talking about where you zoom in or out. If you add a little whoosh or a, you know, these are very powerful. They're, they're so underrated again in, in video. And one of my first mentors once said to me, don't ever underestimate the power of a sound effect. And to this day, I, I live and breathe by that rule because, you know, they, they really uh, drive our attention. For example, if you're, if you're doing an animation and, and you've got like a, I don't know, say something of attention that you want uh, your audience's eyes drawn to at the bottom right hand side of the screen, you just add a little ding or something just to subconsciously tell the mind that something's happened and their eyes will go around looking for it. So it kind of stimulates all their sensory, uh, their sensory responses, be it audio, visual. So yeah, sound effects are, are crucial and sound design. And another one I would say Hang on, is, before, before you oh, move sorry. on from that one, I was, 
I was just going to say, it's amazing how when you're tuned into things, you notice stuff that you've never noticed before. I notice now, I love sport. I watch a lot of sport. When I'm watching the cricket, when the scoreboard comes up on the screen with the graphics, there's just this subtle kind of swoosh that brings your attention to it. Now, I don't know that I, I probably went a long time without noticing that because it's not really in your face, but it just adds to the professionalism of the production. And the amazing thing is we can do that. You and I can do that with iMovie or whatever comes default on our computer by just downloading a swish from somewhere. It's probably already in iMovie and create that really professional effect. But I have a question, Michael. Can you overdo that type of thing? Yes and no. I'd I'd say yes if you're a bit bit of an amateur. I'd say Mm, perhaps stay stay away from too many sound effects because then that will be detrimental swish, to swish, the video. Ding, bang, whop. Like it sounds, yeah. You can sound like a commercial radio breakfast show, you know? Exactly. But having said that, if you think of big Hollywood productions, they've got guys that are just they're solely dedicated to just audio. And I don't know if you've seen those videos of how so some sound effects are made for big films, but, you know, you've got people just, you know, Creating squishing, yeah, squishing sponges and, you know, rattling they fork against, uh, you know, a, a mirror because it makes a very specific noise. And so, if you are just starting to dabble in video, I'd say you keep it simple, keep it basic, keep your sound effects quite low. If you're thinking, "Oh, is this too loud?" Uh, err on the side of caution and have it quite, quite soft in the background. But when it comes, if if you're a, you know, if you're a sound design designer by by trade, or you know. You're a soundie. By all means, they they go to town with sound effects, and they're really, really, really skilled people, and and can make something that's quite bland on screen come to life just through audio. Wow. Okay. Great. Now I hate to tell you, Michael, we're quickly running out of time, and I know you had another one before I cut you off. Give us that one. Yeah. The the other one was just uh, play around with with the way your image looks. So so filters to put it basically. So think if you think about how. Instagram gives you a few filters to make your images look nicer. You can do the same with video. Obviously, video is just a series of still images. So yeah, play around with the colors, with the filters. That's very specific to everyone's taste. But for example, for me, I like high contrast images. The blue and and the golden blue look is very popular at the minute. So if you can make something look quite goldeny, quite bluey, and play around with those two colors, that's very uh, visually attractive and, and makes people stay engaged with your content for longer. And you made the point in your book, just back on recording people, say we're, we're making a, um, a talking head video for internal comms or, or our own promotion stuff to ensure that the person is not wearing stripes or florally kind of shirts because that can look really ordinary on camera and to get their, the clothes they're wearing to contrast with the background. Another really kind of obvious tip in hindsight, but you might not realize it until post-production that you've made a terrible mistake with color. So you can keep that in mind from the start. Hey, when you, just going back to that second last one, the sound design, we talked about swooshes and sound effects and all that kind of stuff. But of course, one of the major things there is choosing the background music. And and again, unless you're tuned into it, you might not realize just, you know, most videos of, of any kind of quality have background sound and the music choice is really important. In fact, it's a joke in the industry you share in your book that you you spend about 1% of the time creating the video and the other 99% of the time choosing the right sound or the right music to go underneath your video. Correct. Yeah. So 
there's a very popular meme in the industry that's absolutely what you just said that 99% of your editing time is actually spent looking for the right song yeah. and yeah. and this is because the song that you choose is driving that emotion if your verbal your verbals are, are driving the narrative then the music is very much driving that that emotion so for a lot of the videos uh, that we produce we our first step is is finding that right song there are there are moments there are videos that you 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 kind of choose a song after you've done the the narrative but the majority of the videos that you do are based around that song and and music is wow. is beautiful Start and with for, the music first yeah and and, for, and it, you know it's it's had a it's captivated us for thousands of years really music uh, mm-hmm. so it's really really important that you, that you choose the right track because that's going to be absolutely the the driver of emotions they're fantastic stuff. I've got one more question for you before I let you go, Michael, but I'm going to do a quick summary here. The bad stuff, you've got to be careful of terrible audio. Uh, you've got to be careful of the way your video looks, lighting, et cetera, and you've got to ensure that you've actually got a story to tell. Now, in terms of adding quality to our video, Michael's advice was transitions. Don't underestimate the value of a good transition. Add captions. Then that's smart because you never know when people are going to be flicking through it on Facebook or wherever they might be consuming your content without headphones. And if you've added captions there, you might stay on there a little longer. And I know now that you mention it, I've done that on Facebook and Twitter and the like. So you're absolutely right on that. Sound design, it's not just the music that's really important, but what about a a few subtle or not even so subtle sound effects to support what's happening on your video? And lastly, filters. You can make stuff look cool and attention grabbing by using filters. My last question for you, Michael, and that's all great advice, by the way. My last question is about the future of video. I'll get you to tell us what we can expect over the next few years as people listening uh, launch into their own content creation. But before you tell us others, I'm going to pick you up on one that you mentioned in your book, vertical videos. Why are videos going vertical? That horrifies me. So you, you can picture at home, folks, you can either go into portrait or landscape mode. I love landscape videos, although I've got to admit I'm not an Instagram guy, but landscape videos, they just look right. They look like the TV in my lounge room. I hate videos that are vertical. You know, when on on the news, they use video from a punter that's come in and that the chump punter has recorded it vertically and they've got to put the gray fuzzy stuff around the outside. I always scream at the TV, record in landscape, folks. Why, Michael, are we going down the vertical path rather than horizontal? <laughs> it's, it's funny. You know, there's a rant. That. There's an emotional rant for you. Yeah. No, and I, I tell you what, I was very much like you a couple of years ago in, in, mm. in hating it so much. But the answer, I guess, is because we're becoming lazy. We're getting so used to our phones that we just yeah. record it as portrait instead of, of you know taking two seconds to... To flip turn it. your phone on the side. <laughs> We're I, I too busy and lazy to turn our phone on the side now. Yeah, I th- think so. But um, oh. I think yeah, I think I think that's the reason. But having said that, I think we've got to embrace this change as opposed to no. you know just be completely against it. And if you're <laughs> clever about it in film portrait, then your videos are going to take up so much more real estate when someone's watching a video on portrait mode, say Instagram, for example, stories on Instagram blowing absolutely off the hook at the minute. And if you're clever enough to capture these in portrait mode, your viewers are going to have a better viewing experience because it just fills the whole real estate 
of the phone because I think we're quickly turning that lazy that we can't even be bothered to flip our phone around 90 degrees. All right, you've made me feel like a Luddite now because I made a stand <laughs> about something that, that you said is inevitable. All right, well, let's forget about that slightly or highly controversial one. What else can we expect from video over the next little while? I reckon augmented reality is going to become pretty huge. And that's obviously not to be confused with virtual reality. Virtual reality is not, and I, I say this controversially, some, some might say in my book, I don't think it's going to become that big, the kind of 360 immersive virtual reality scene. I so having, disagree with you. I love it. But anyway. Yeah. But having said that, augmented reality, I think that it's going to be huge. And I guess that does incorporate virtual reality a bit, but it's more about bringing a different space into the space that you're in. I think that's going to be absolutely huge. What else for video? I, I think video is changing so quickly. Like Video now is all about breaking down a message into five seconds and things that you could previously say in five minutes, 10 minutes. The really, really key issue now is how do I tell that story in five to six seconds? Because that's where our attention spans are going. So it's about getting succinct <laughs> with your stories. Video is also becoming very, very disposable. So a big trend now is to yeah have disposable video. And this is evident from stories on Instagram that, you know, they, they only live for 24 hours nowadays. So again, if, if you want to, if you want to make your videos have a longer shelf life, focus on the story because video now is, is a very, yeah, as I said, disposable trend. Mm, fantastic. Michael Langdon, I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, quite obviously, because I got on a few emotional rants. I even disagreed <laughs> with you on a couple of points. That was fantastic in insight into creating quality videos. Great advice, Michael. Thank you so much for coming on the Team Guru podcast. Thank you very much, David. Pleasure, pleasure being here with you. And that was Michael Langdon. I love the fact that his philosophy of video creation is so clear. He has, through hard work, through failure and success, developed a clear set of principles around the why and the how of video production. And then his tips, practical and accessible to all of us. And you may have noticed I loved talking to him about the often forgotten element of video production audio quality. You've got to get your audio right. As always, I'll share the lessons I took from my conversation with Michael on the Lessons Learned page for this podcast. You'll find it along with the entire back catalogue of Team Guru podcasts on our website. That's teamswithans.guru slash podcast. Connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, or LinkedIn, and join me for the next episode on this, my mission to bring to life the theory and principles of leadership. This is David Frizzell for Team Guru. Bye for now.